Amen. Well, we're going to start a new series today. Back at it, Pastor Larry's been doing a fine job for a couple weeks, and so that's been fabulous. And now we are going to start a series called This Little Light. This Little Light is the new series we're beginning today, and uh, it's Christmas time. It's hard to believe because, uh, you know, it's a muddy Christmas, and up here at least we get a frozen Christmas, if not a white Christmas, but it doesn't quite feel like it's Christmas yet, but we got Christmas decorations, we got, uh, you know, tis the season, so it's coming right around the corner, and uh, we're going to, of course, uh, at Christmas we celebrate the birth of Christ, the light of the world, that Jesus came to this world a baby in a manger to become the, the salvation of mankind. And it's the most important moment in human history, the life of Christ. And so we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas. And let's go through the Gospel of John chapter 1, some verses there, and look at uh, the birth of Christ. It's not really the Christmas story, but it talks about Jesus coming. And so let's look at that. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So this is talking about Jesus being with the Father in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through Him all men might believe. He Himself was not the light, He came only as a witness to the light. So here it's talking about Jesus from heaven coming to earth, the light of men. Men don't understand it. The the world doesn't see what's happening. John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord. And then, verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So John prepared the way so that people could receive Christ. And here is the crux, verse 9. I love this verse. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Now I'm not a super like sentimental type or a big... uh, holiday type. I mean, holidays are great and all that stuff, you know. If it wasn't for my wife, we probably wouldn't decorate at my house because I wouldn't get around to it. It's not that I'm opposed to it. I just, you know, probably would be doing something else. And uh, so I'd never been to a, like a Christmas Eve service until I became a pastor. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I better do a Christmas Eve service and, and that sort of thing. And, and I was amazed at the profound symbolism of the candlelight service. It is Verse 9 of John 1 in Christmas Eve service form. Everybody gets a little candle. And it's dark and cold and it's, you know, it's fine. But there's some potential with that candle. That it can be lit. 
it can become warm and bright. And each person is like that. We have this incredible potential in Christ. But until the moment happens when we are ignited, we just don't have what we could have. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So Jesus comes. He is the light. But he gives that light to each one of us. And let's continue. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So Jesus came, and he didn't have a real warm welcome, right? Born in a manger. I heard somebody talking about that earlier this week. There was no room for them in the inn. And so I've always assumed that meant that there were no vacancies, that it was completely full. And that could very well be. But this uh, individual that I was listening to said... Uh, you know, maybe there was no room in the inn for another reason. You know, you've got a young lady that's obviously pregnant. She's not married in a culture where that was not okay. And so maybe there just wasn't room for them in the inn. You know, like, you're not welcome here. But you can sleep in the barn if you want to. It doesn't specifically say that. It doesn't specifically not say that. But it's an interesting thought. Mary was walking around in shame in that culture. Obvious, you know, can't hide that. And Joseph stuck with her. People did not recognize what was happening. They did not understand what was going on. So they did not receive him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So Jesus created, but the creation rejected him. Yet, verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So to those who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the right. I love that it says the right. We're in the United States, we like rights. You know, we like our civil rights. We have rights to this and that and the other thing. We are given the right to be children of God. The right If we receive Christ, we believe in Jesus, we receive that light. Instead of rejecting the light of Christ, instead of pushing it away, we say, yes, I want that. And we receive the forgiveness of sins, the place in God's kingdom. We receive that born again life, the new life, the light of Christ. We receive that. We have the right to be children of God. Now, I don't know if you have self-esteem issues. It could, it could possibly be. There's quite a few people out there with self-esteem issues. But understand, if you have received Christ, you have the right to be a child of God. You're a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. Now, if that has sunk in, you'll walk around a little bit differently. You know what I mean? If, if you understand what that means then you will understand who you are in a very different way. 
You're not an accidental person. You're not someone who's just in the way. You're not someone who is, you know, pushed aside and there's no room for in this world. You have a right to be a child of God. That's the good news of the gospel if you receive it. Now, Jesus said something. And so Jesus grows up, you know, born in a manger, grows up. And then the time comes for the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins to speak to his disciples and to the crowds. And we know Jesus is the light of the world. But he says this to the group. Chapter 5 of Matthew, verses 14 through 16. Jesus says to them, you are the light of the world. And that's the plural you. Again, the all y'all. All y'all are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus says to the masses at the Sermon on the Mount, his disciples and whoever could hear, he says, you are the light of the world. And so we see him putting into practice that the light came and was a light to men. That we receive the light of Christ and then we carry the light of Christ. So we hold the beautiful truth of the gospel and we are to share it with the world. Amen? We receive the light of Christ, the beautiful gospel that when we trust in Him, we have the right to be children of God. And we not only receive that, but we carry that to the world because we are the light of the world. Isn't that beautiful? What could possibly go wrong with that? You know, that, that should go really well, right? Where, hey, God loves me and God loves you. That should be easy. But isn't sometimes that a little bit challenging? Being the light of the world can be challenging. How do we as believers live out our faith in victory in an often hostile world? How do we stand up for what's right without alienating people that Jesus has died for? How do we demonstrate God's love to the world without becoming enablers? How do we enjoy the promises of God while fighting the good fight? So in other words, how do we let our little light shine? You've heard that song, haven't you? This little light of mine. I learned that song in a country gospel church. And uh, I don't think my wife would let me play it here. But it's, a, it's a very different than what you may know. But that little country gospel church, we'd play, or, you know, I was in the congregation. But they'd, they'd play uh, This Little Light of Mine and that place would go bonkers. I mean, everybody's running around. It was just wild and crazy. They could worship to This Little Light of Mine. I'm telling you, it was fabulous, fabulous. This little light. And so, that's what this series is all about, is how do we let our light shine in this world 
as God has called us to. Jesus came to this world, the light that gives light to all people. And then we carry that light to the world. How do we let our light shine? First step, part one. Let's pray and we'll get into uh, the first idea on how to let our light shine. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your scripture. You guide us by your spirit. Lord, you, you, you are so good. Help us this morning to see how to serve you a little bit better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This little light, how do we let our light shine in a dark world? How do we represent Christ in hostile environments? How do we live the joy and victory of our faith when we're making sacrifices? How do we do that? Step one this week in this little light, stand your ground. Stand your ground. So if we're going to let our light shine, we have to have light. We have to stand our ground. Before we get into that uh, too deep, let's look at what does it look like when everything's going great? Have you ever been in the middle of a, a high point in your spiritual life where you're together with a group of people, it's going great, you're growing in the Lord, it's just going good. Have you ever been in that place? I hope you have. Well, in Acts chapter 2, there was a moment in time where everything was going awesome. And we're going to read that. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 43. It was going good. The light had come, spread to people, and it was spreading beyond that. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So, it was going great. People were just amazed at what was happening. There were miracles. People's lives were being changed. Instead of having their problem, their problem was miraculously healed. It was miraculously solved. There were wonders and signs going on. People were leaving the meetings and saying, God touched me and I'm different now. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. No one went hungry because they all were generous towards one another. They helped each other. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So it was so much fun, they had church every day. Have you ever wanted to go to church every day? Like, ooh, they just couldn't stop themselves. They're having church every day in the temple courts. They're meeting in the big group setting. These, these are revival meetings, man. They're having themselves some church. Every day they're meeting in the temple courts. And not only that, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they're having the big group meetings every day in the temple courts. And they're having small groups where they can hang out and eat and build close relationships there. Man, they're just having a great time. So they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So there was revival going on. And the people outside the revival who didn't believe in Jesus, who didn't understand what was going on, 
They liked those people too. Oh yeah, I don't know what's going on over in the temple courts, but man, there's some people that are having some fun. It seems like a pretty good thing. Maybe I'll go check it out. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. That's the phrase to me that is so amazing is that revival was happening and the outsiders in the culture were happy for them. They thought, oh, this is a good thing. You know, in today's world in the United States in 2015, if we're doing good things for the Lord with churches going good, there's some people that don't like that. You know, there's people that maybe don't look on that with favor. But in this moment in time, all the people thought, man, something good is going on. They enjoyed the favor of all the people And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So they're having fun. There's miracles happening. People are being generous towards one another. They're helping each other out. They're inviting people to their homes. They're they're enjoying the favor of all the people. And people are receiving the light of Christ on a daily basis. Doesn't that sound pretty good? It sounds pretty good. Now we can... Uh, over, uh, oh boy, what's the word for that? When you think something's better than it is, you know, like we can think the New Testament church had it so good and it was so great. Well, let me tell you, just a couple verses later, people are getting thrown in jail, you know, uh, and you know, two more verses after that, Stephen's getting killed for believing in Jesus. And then a great persecution breaks out. So it wasn't that this continued on for a few generations. I don't know, this lasted a month, a couple, couple months maybe. It was a wonderful time. But then there were also difficulties that came. And we want to grab hold of those wonderful times. And last through the difficulties as well. Because we get both of those in this life, right? We get both of those. This is what we're looking for. But we have to be able to last through the difficult times. Now, if it can go from this beautiful to persecution, people being killed internal strife, Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 6, we've got internal strife inside the church. You know, 7 and 8, we've got Stephen being martyred and the great persecution breaking out with Saul. If it can go bad in that culture when it was that wonderful, might it be tough in this culture as well to let our little light shine? There might be challenges now for us as well. This amazing, beautiful, glorious gospel gets misunderstood, gets misapplied. People hate people for the cause of Christ. It's just completely bizarre. Why would you hate someone because you've received the light of Christ into your heart? I don't get that at all. That's a misapplication of the gospel. The gospel gospel can even be just dismissed and like, ah, that's 
boring and irrelevant and like, how can something that wonderful be that misunderstood? It hurts my heart to know that the light that brings light to all people has come into this world, that every dark and cold candle is ready to be lit, but they just stay dark and cold. Breaks my heart. So I would say there's opportunities for things to get better in our world. Would you agree? There's opportunities for things to get better. So if there's opportunities for things to get better, where's the first place that we look? We look at ourselves. I look at me. You look at you. Because the person I have the most control over in this entire globe is me. Right? If I'm going to make, a, make the world a different place, I'm going to have to start with making me a different person. That's where I can start. And so we need to look at ourselves. And so that's why I say, if we're going to let our little light shine, the first step is to stand our ground, is to receive the light of Christ and keep the light of Christ. Do you want to know the difference between worthless religion and religion that God sees as pure and faultless? Yeah, I was listening to the Bible on tape years and years ago and James chapter one came on and I heard out out of my ear and I'm like, oh my, I want to know what God sees as pure and faultless religion. And here it is, James chapter one, verses 26 and 27, we'll start with. Worthless religion, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. That's not very nice, is it? Worthless religion, self-deceived. You know what self-deceived means? That means that you think you're right, but you're wrong. It means that you think you've got a hold of something, but you don't. Is it possible to think that you're following Jesus in the right ways, following God in the right ways, but you just aren't? It's very possible. We mentioned Saul and the persecution against the church. He thought he was serving God. And he was trying to destroy Christianity. Then he got saved, became the Apostle Paul. Figured it out a little bit better. God revealed himself to him. But we can be self-deceived And what is the main characteristic of this worthless religion that is self-deceived here in James chapter 26? I like James because he's very straightforward. You know, we're Scandinavians up here. We beat around the bush. We hint at stuff. James is like, boom, here you go. Considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. If you're not careful about what you say, You just let her fly and say whatever you feel like saying. The Bible describes that as worthless religion. Do you know how God created the universe? He spoke it. And it was. Let there be light. And there was light. And we are created in God's image. There is power 
in our words. We can speak life into other people. We can speak death into other people. Has anybody ever said something cruel to you years ago and you still remember it to this day? There is power in the words that we speak. And so if we are people who consider ourselves religious and yet speak death, speak pain, speak cruelty into other people's lives, that's worthless according to the Bible. We don't want to be that type of person. We want to speak life. What are... Now let's read verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. I heard that on tape. I'm like, I stopped what I was doing. I'm like, I gotta know what God accepts as pure and faultless. Here's the answer. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And I must admit, I was a little bit disappointed. You know, I'm like, Where's the profound truth that I can grab hold of pure and faultless religion? Yes! Take care of some people with needs and don't let yourself get goofed up. Okay. (laughs) All right. This has got to be deeper than what I'm seeing. This has got to be more powerful than what I understand. Because if this is how we can describe pure, faultless religion in the eyes of God, then we need to grab hold of it. And so what does it say? Two main things. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, I believe this is an example of the overall concept of find people who need some help and help them out. Right? Like you don't look at somebody and be like, oh yeah, you've got parents, so forget it. I'm not helping you. You know, it, it's not that. It's if somebody needs help and you can meet the need, meet the need. Look after people. Now we're going to Jamaica in March. A lot of people are interested in going to Jamaica in March, but there's people that might want to go to Jamaica in the summertime. And so we might do a summer, summer trip. If we can get some interest in going in the summer when there's not school and stuff like that. Go in the summer. Go to the New Vision Children's Home. Help out orphans that need help. Look after widows and orphans. We can, we can take care of the age ministers. Widows of pastors who served in rural communities had churches of 20 or 30 people who right now have nothing. We can help them. We've got opportunities to make a difference here at, you know... December, we're going to take an offering for the Age Ministers Association at the, at the uh, Christmas Eve service. Um, January, we're going to take an offering for the kitchen. That's maybe not so odd. But hey, we need to eat, right? Uh, if the kitchen is done by, by the Super Bowl, we'll have Sloppy Joe Nachos. We'll watch the Super Bowl in the Fellowship Hall. It'll be fantastic. It's going to be great. Very excited about that. And then in... Uh, In February, in preparation for our missions trip in March, we'll take an offering for the New Vision Children's Home to be able to build a water storage tank. At the orphanage, they don't have running water. They just have water that drains off the roofs into these big storage tanks, and that's the water that they bathe in, that they use for cooking, that they drink, that they... uh, uh, You know, all all the water that they use comes from the rain Except when it doesn't rain. Then they run out 
And they have to buy water on trucks. And it's very, very expensive and causes lots of problems. And so they need a bigger water storage tank because sometimes they get lots of rain. And if they had a big enough tank, they could last through the droughts. Now they don't. So we're going to take an offering in February to raise money for that water storage tank. $10,000, get her done. We could watch other people build it for ten grand. If we help, it'd probably be a little bit less. But labor in Jamaica is kind of cheap. Minimum wage, $50 a week in Jamaica. So, and stuff is about the same cost as it is here. So it's kind of a rough deal. A lot of poverty there. But we can, we can do these things. We can look after orphans and widows in their distress. That's part one of pure and faultless religion. Part two... And keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When you let your light shine in your heart, keep it. Which one's easier? To take care of somebody else who has a need? Or to keep the light on the inside, pure and blameless? I think the first one's easier. I think it's easier to put some money in for an offering and help out a children's home than it is to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So let's talk about that second one for a little while. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If it says keep oneself, it means that's your job. That we have control over this. That God has given us the ability to keep the light of Christ in our hearts and not have it be broken up and polluted. Keep oneself. We have power over this. We have responsibility over this. What does it mean to be polluted by the world? What are we supposed to keep ourselves from being? What does that mean? How are we to not be polluted? Well, I think there's obvious applications of just drifting into sin. You know, you can... Be stealing all the time, lying all the time, slipping into various sins. You know, there's a big list. We all know some of the things on the list. And if you don't know some of the things, that's great. You don't need to know. But, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff we can slip into sin with, right? And be polluted by the world. I think there's another way that we can be polluted by the world again. Because, you know, there's darkness in this world. You've noticed that, right? Like the light of Christ came into the darkness. And when we let our light shine, our light is shining in the darkness. We all get hit by darkness. It can suck us in and we can slip into sin. Or I think another example of being polluted by the world is becoming jaded, becoming cynical, Becoming faithless, depressed. Those are ways we can be polluted by the world. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, told the people, you are the light of the world. And he also told them this in Matthew chapter 6. This is the same sermon as when Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Jesus says to that same group, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Amen. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great 
is that darkness. How you see the world affects what comes into your heart. And if the light within you is darkness, oh, that's a painful life. That's a life of cynicism. That's a life of depression. That's a life of thinking, thinking dark thoughts. What does that mean? Well, let me give you a few examples. Sometimes pastors think that ministry success comes from compromise. That's seeing the world in the wrong way. Ministry success comes with sticking with Jesus. Telling the truth. Believing the word of God. Standing in faith in the midst of difficulty. That's where it comes from. Not from compromise. Some people can feel deprived as a Christian. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I got saved when I was 65 instead of when I was 18. Because man, I could have had some fun in my 20s if I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> you ever thought those? <laughs> I hope not. That's great. There's a lot of people think those types of thoughts. They feel deprived, like, man, I started serving Jesus too early. I missed out. That's, a, that's dark eyes. That's not seeing correctly. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Have you heard people say, love the sinner, hate the sin? I, I guess I like the idea of that, but most of the time I've seen people who say that, they hate the sinner. You know what I mean? They just really are disgusted by these t- horrible, rotten people. Well, that's darkness. That's seeing things in the wrong ways. There's lots of different ways that we can have the wrong eyes. Because the eye is the lamp of the body. If we see somebody who's broken and just trying to find their way in a dark world and slipping deeper into darkness, dare we be disgusted by that? Let's be brokenhearted and trying to help. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And when we succumb to cynicism, when we succumb to faithlessness, when we succumb to the darkness, we are being polluted by the sin of the world. If the light within us is darkness, we lose every time. Amen? If we are the light of the world, And we see the wrong ways. We see through tainted eyes. Then the light within us is darkness. And we lose. We can't win. We can't spread the light of Christ. If the light within us is darkness. So step one. Is to let the light in. And keep it. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're going to close here in just a couple minutes. So the prayer teams can come forward. Let's talk a little bit about letting the light in. In, in John 1, 
it talked about how to those who receive, we are given the right to become children of God. So this is a little bit like, well, what does that mean? What is it, you know, how do I receive the light? You know, I I can light my candle at the Christmas Eve service and that makes sense. But spiritually speaking, how do I receive the light? Well, I'm going to express it this way because there's lots of different ways to say it. But I'm going to say it like this. To receive the light of Christ is to surrender to God. To just say, I'm not going to fight against you anymore. I'm just going to surrender. Instead of wrangling with God, arguing with God, blaming God for the way things are going, being upset with all the different things and and having a fight with God, surrender to God. Let me tell you something. He is more upset about the wrongs of this world than you are. When you see the consequences of sin in the scriptures, you understand how upset God is about darkness. Surrender. Don't fight against God. Surrender to God. Fight for Christ. Don't try to prove yourself to God either. Some people are trying to be good enough for God. They're trying to do enough good things. They're trying to help enough orphans and widows. And they're trying to keep away from the the stuff of the world. And they're trying to prove themselves to God. That person also surrender. Surrender to His righteousness. We are given a righteousness that's not our own. The light we have, we don't ignite it ourselves. We just receive the righteousness of Christ. He died on the cross to take our sins away so that we could be made worthy. Not of our own, but because of Him. So we just surrender. We don't have to prove ourselves. And the answer is the same. If you've had the light, now the light is dim. It needs to be rekindled. It needs to be relit. Just surrender to the love of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God. Step one in letting our light shine is holding our ground in a dark world. 1 John 1.9 is our closing scripture. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we get polluted by the world, when we get cynical and darkened in our understanding, we just say, Lord, you you know where I'm at. I'm sorry. Make me free. And He purifies us from all unrighteousness. Some people think they've done things that God can't forgive. Who do you think you are that the blood of Christ is not sufficient for you? You don't have that power. Purify us from all unrighteousness. So let's pray together as a group. We'll surrender to the love of God. And then 
you come up for personal prayer. When you come up for personal prayer, it doesn't matter what the need is. If you've been listening to the message and you think, I really don't understand what that is, but I need, a, I need God in my life, come down and get prayer. If you need physical healing, you need relationship healing, you need a financial miracle, you need guidance and wisdom, or you just need a blessing, whatever, doesn't matter. You just feel like you're supposed to come down and you don't know why. Come down and receive prayer. Before I open up the front for personal prayer, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent light into this dark world. That when you saw darkness and misery and pain and sin and cruelty and violence, your response wasn't to just wipe this away, but your response was to to make your own sacrifice to bring light to this world. Lord, we surrender to your love. We surrender to your righteousness. We surrender to your light. Purify us. Let us receive your light in its fullness so we can let your light shine in this world. We give you praise, Lord. We honor you for you are good. And I pray a blessing over everyone that's in this place. I pray your peace on our hearts. I pray again that your light would shine and get ever brighter so that your light would overflow into our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on forward, receive prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.